Welcome to the Show Oshibeson podcast. Show Oshibeson is a lead pastor, Grace Made Christian Center, where we raise change agents. We do hope you'll be refreshed by God's word today. Happy listening. Praise the Lord. Grace Made Child, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you have a prayer language, just speak in tongues right now. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. So patali topra sapali te kamande le kapalia. Roso praso prata kapali. Roto kapali te kapali. Baso prete kapali. Roto presita pila. Mato prasa takaba. Bashete ke boko shete. Roto roto kaprase te kebelia. Enton sopra sombre. Vale shete ke bakali. Roto kapali. Atom preso te kapali toko proso. Vale shatombre. Vale tombre sopo kosh. Abakatombre sapale. Rondo rombo koshete. Ratombre sapala tapaya. Boto prasapale. Rondo kopo koshete kibo. Baratombre sapale. Rombo krasombre tapale. Bashete kapale. Rondo rombo Lombra sapale tombre sapale toa. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Say with me in the name of Jesus. We fill this atmosphere with glory. Say right now, we stuff this atmosphere with the glory of God. We make it conducive for miracles, for the flow of the Spirit, for prophetic gifts, and for a prophetic word. Say, Holy Spirit, I am ready to receive all that you have for me. Say, I am attentive and I am receptive in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Grace me and hallelujah. I have a lot of um, pleasantries to exchange, but first and foremost, I want us to read the text. Please take your Bibles in your hand. Take your Bibles in your hand. First Kings chapter 8 verse 56. First Kings chapter 8 verse 56. Thank you, Jesus. First Kings 8:56. Are you there? It says, Blessed be the Lord. He has given rest to his people, Israel. According to all that he has promised, he says, there has not one word failed of his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Can you say, blessed be the Lord? Say, because he has caused grace made to rest. Say, not one word has failed that he has promised. Listen, this is the fifth anniversary of your church. Is that right? I want you to say, blessed be the Lord. He has made grace made to rest. Say, not one word has failed of all that he has promised. I want you to thank him from your heart right now. Thank him from your heart. Not one word has failed. 
not one word has failed not one word not one word i want you to thank him like it's true thank him like it's true thank him like it's true you ought to be more excited about your church bless be the Lord not one word has failed not one word has failed bless be the Lord we bless you oh God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus in Jesus mighty name we have prayed you're going to thank the Lord about your own life and you see it might seem like a stretch to say this about you but it's true not one word has failed of all his promises to me not one word the reason it's important to say this now is so that like Joseph you don't wait till the end to see that it was all part of the plan that even when you were in prison you were still on track not one even the things that seem like an inconsistency is still part of the plan blessed be the lord not one word he has spoken over me has failed thank him from your heart and bless him bless him bless him bless him bless him bless him Thank him. Not one word of his promise has failed. Not one word has fallen to the ground. I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Because my beloved is the most beautiful amongst thousands. And thousands say, My beloved is the most beautiful amongst thousands. And thou sick from your heart, say, My beloved. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this meeting. Thank you for making this a landmark event in this ministry. Everything is about to shift. I speak corporately over this house and individually for everyone here. I prophesy everything is about to shift for the better. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Please be seated. I want to first and foremost honor your pastors. 
Pastor Shewo and Pastor Shewo. <laughs> Is this how you celebrate them? Should we take them elsewhere? I want to thank you for five years of service and consistency. Thank you for giving to the Lord for the struggles that people know, the ones they don't know about. You've gone through hell and high water, but you are here five years after. The Lord has been good to you. I want to celebrate you for all that you are doing for the gospel in this generation. I celebrate you in Jesus' name. Can you can you celebrate your man of God one more time? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Such a pleasure to see you. I promised you I was going to be here. I'm, I'm here now. Hallelujah. We'll talk about next year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Even though I sense, even though I sense hallelujah <laughs> glory be to God I, I see men powerful men and women of God here present Pastor Dami Oluwatoyimbo is here so good to see you always a pleasure thank you very much sir Pastor Victor is here I still don't know your surname I think it's on purpose even on IG it's just Pastor Vic so at least I know he's Victor you know he's Pastor Vic you know <laughs> so always a pleasure to see you hallelujah um Pastor Imisi is here, who I call prophetess. Always a pleasure to have you around. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Uh, my, my girlfriend is here. Pastor Laju. The, the only woman in my life. Hallelujah. Always a pleasure to have you around. Praise the Lord. Um, this is our second event, you know today and she just said you know what i'm just going to stay and um she doesn't always follow me around so this is very special hallelujah <laughs> glory be to god for every man and woman of god here present i want to celebrate you from my heart god bless you pastor pastor Sharon, i saw protocol on under the rain you know directing the traffic and and i am particularly touched and um, before I'm done or when I'm done, I'm going to pray for every worker because um, the Lord has to bless you for the great work that you are doing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Come on. Are you ready to receive? You don't seem sure. So the theme of this conference is what? Unmerited favor. And so I, I want to pick on that and just move on. We flow. And I... I want you to be ready to receive. Hallelujah. I might just match your energy. So if you want more, you draw it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I, I, I want to say this. I want to teach on about the biggest secret of my life. Because unmerited favor is something I know a little bit, bit about. If you ask, what is the biggest secret of your life? It is not prayer, even if I pray a lot. It is not Bible study, even if I study a lot. It's not hard work, even if I'm probably one of the most hardworking people you might have ever seen. It is not fasting, it is not any of those things. The biggest secret of my life is unmerited favor by purpose alignment. And I will explain what I mean by that. You see, if I was supposed to do like a final year thesis in a school of theology, this is what I'm going to teach you. Because there is something called development of knowledge. And what I mean is, for every truth that is established in the kingdom, 
God handpicks people to emphasize that truth until it is established. So just the same way Papa Hagen brought the church to a fresh new perspective of charismatic faith. And you know, it's, it's now hard to read Mark eleven twenty three 23 without, that's the Hagen texts. You get what I'm saying? And with all sense of humility, I, I want to say that necessary that we've learned, it is urgent. It is urgent. So I, I call it development of knowledge. It is urgent. So I, I call it development of knowledge. Just something more. And um, we're going to say it is urgent. So I, I call it development of knowledge. Just something more. And um, we're going to start and it's going to be a crescendo. And we're going to start and it's going to be a crescendo and then we'll go to deeper things. Come on, are you ready? All right. So 1 Corinthians 15, 10. That's the text your pastor started with. So let's move on. Thank you, Jesus. Are you there? I want you to read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Hallelujah. Let's read one more time. One, two, go. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Listen, there are two equations that are responsible for the outcome of the life of anyone. Two equations. And by that I mean every human being is a product of two things. Number one, your personal investments. Please, what did I call it? And by that I mean your education, your exposure, and everything within your power that you have contributed to your story, you know, to make sure that you are a better person. And listen, I can preach a whole sermon on this because a lot of people still don't understand this. There's a smuggish board of, of teachings on diligence, but a lot of people, you know, we would rather just sit all day and pray. And this is so important when the Bible says, do you see anyone diligent in his business? Now, this is, this is discernment. This is prophecy. The person may be your classmates. The person may be with you in the village or any such place. He's telling you how to predict the future of people. He says, you see someone diligent in his business. I like the way the NLT put it because you see diligence just has this blanket. He says, do you see someone skilled at his work? Because there isn't, um, you need to differentiate diligence and skill. Anyway, discussion for another day. Do you see anyone skilled in his work? He will stand before kings and not before mere men. Let me say this and take this as free career coaching, even, this, even if this is not the focus for today. Skill makes your work rare. And rarity makes your work valuable. You see, the reason you are not paid the way you want to be paid is because there are too many people who can do what you do. That's just free. We're not here for career class. So there's a reason unskilled labor receives the kind of remuneration that it does. Because you see, the person who gave you the job, you know, to pack 
chairs or pack sand or pack stone, the person can do it. He can do it. And so if he begs you too much and you are doing it, he will just say, you know what, I will do it myself. And that's why some people are paid like that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. In all labor, there is profit. And listen, we must encourage and celebrate people who have the dignity of labor to do whatever they need to do instead of stealing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so, but I, I'm now asking, or in case there's someone here who is asking, well, I've been working hard for so long. How do I distinguish myself? The Bible tells you, watch out for a person who is skilled in what he does. When people can come to a point of observation where, where they say unanimously, nobody does this like her. Nobody does this like him. Now, you have created rarity. Come on, are you with me? And when you create that rarity, your worth and therefore your remuneration will change. It's actually very simple. You want to become great at what you do? Become a specialist. You distinguish yourself by skill. And the reason this is so important is because life doesn't always give you the chance naturally. Not everyone is born with a silver spoon. But you see, more often than not, all things being equal, and I will explain what I mean by all things being equal. You see, with hard work, you have a chance. Come on, are you with me? If you believe this text, you know you have a chance. It doesn't matter where you are, all the shortcomings in your life, all the exposure you never had. If I keep on keeping on, if I am consistent, burning the midnight oil, sharpening my arrow and my, and my sword, it will, it will only be a matter of time. One day at what I do, the difference will be clear as day. And then it will forcefully change my association. He says, I will stand before kings. And of course, this is not talking about general association as Christians. We are not supposed to be class conscious. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it's just talking about where they categorize your work. And this is powerful. And you see, the reason this is such an important balance is because a lot of Christians, you know, just like grace. And a lot of prayer. And all of that. And like Pastor Sheol said, you know, in the introduction, if you're not ready to work, <laughs> grace is not going to work. Grace amplifies anything, right? So grace plus zero is a big zero. <laughs> I think that was a powerful illustration. You know, I've discovered in the Bible, God never worked with a lazy man. Check it. Genesis to Revelation. There is not a single man of God that was lazy. Not one. Not one. I know Abraham. He will command his children. It, not a single one. Please, are you with me? And, and so this is very important. It's one of the very early things that I learned. You know, some people have accused me of being workaholic. Don't believe them. Don't believe all those rumors. But you see, the most important thing is this. Early enough, I just decided, you know what, if this is what God is asking me to do with my life, I'm going to do it well. I'm going to distinguish myself. I know that it is true that a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Not for too long. Come on, are you with me? Therefore, for many of us, the onus is actually on us to distinguish ourselves. God is waiting for you. 
And that's a, a very powerful message. But listen, this is not all there is to know. I said there has to be more to the equation. Because, yeah, there is no successful pe- person who is not hardworking, but it's not all hardworking people who are successful. So there must be more to the equation. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, I have observed something <laughs> under the sun that the race is not always to the swift. It's, I have discovered it is not always the fastest person that wins the race. So you see, one thing about the body of Christ, unfortunately, is that with denominations, denominations are usually um, an expression of our extremes. We just pick one message and make it the message. And so, even if it is true that hard work is important, some people dwell there and camp there, and that's all they're open to. But that text has such a powerful balance. It says, even though it is true that the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, and I labored more abundantly than they all, he said, yet not I. There is a yet no I. Come on, are you with me? Let me give you a simple example. Think of Michael Jordan. Great, great, great. You see, if you know Michael Jordan well, he's the epitome of hard work and consistency. He practiced his shots by shooting in a hoop 1,000 times every day without fail. As early as 4 a.m., he's on the basketball court and shooting. Because you see, there is a difference between knowing how to do something and developing what a sportman will call muscle memory, where it becomes registered in your subconscious. There is something that repetition does that makes it second nature, where even if they tap you, do you understand what I'm saying? Even if you were sleeping and they wake you up, it's, it's, it's second nature. And so even if he's a good shooter, he wants to build muscle memory. So he's doing it 1,000 times. I know you can do it, but can you still get the same result when you're tired? I know you can do it, but can you still get the same result when you're frustrated? Because I can guarantee you, there are people who can shoot, but after you have shot 100 times and you're tired, and your legs become wobbly, it takes a different type of stamina to still be making the shots. Because in real game situations, and this is why there are people who play well during practice, but don't play well in the game. So he develops that consistency. He doesn't eat like everyone else. He has a coach. And then he does all these things. So now, you take your book, you take your check pad, and you want to be like Michael Jordan. What makes him who he is? Oh, he shoots 1,000 times. I'm going to shoot 1,000 times. He doesn't eat ice cream. I'll stop eating ice cream. And you tick all the boxes. Now, let me tell you something. I guarantee you. If you do everything, you will be a very good basketball player. But is it guaranteed you will be Michael Jordan? So, is there more to the equation or not? (laughs) So, hear Paul's language. I am what I am, first and foremost, by the grace of God. Listen, I have have outworked everybody. You see, Paul was very interesting. He had this kind of communication, you know, so many times in his life. You have to read through the lens of Revelation to know that this was not an arrogant man. You know, Paul will say, I speak in tongues more than you all. 
a church of thousands of people is I'm not in your house, but no matter how long you are praying, I, I pray past you. <laughs> that was Paul. <laughs> Paul said, Are they apostles? I'm yeah? Yeah, I'm like, What? Seriously? But he says, first and foremost, I am what I am by the grace of God. So listen. Oh my God. So grace is a powerful but invisible part of the equation. Where you think that, I mean, like mathematics, you just add 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 and you get 8. But someone's own is 15. And you're wondering because he's, he's, he's praying and praying. He's studying and studying. He's working hard and working hard. But the results are still far. There is something else the church must learn. It's called the grace equation. Come on, are you with me? This is so important. It's called the election of grace. So listen, God tells you to work out. But the same God now tells you, <laughs> it is not of he that weeps. Nor of he that runs. But of God that shows me- See, listen, God who rewards hard work is telling you that even in hard work there are limits. And so, oh my God, grace is meant to amplify what you were born to do in the first place. Hard work is not meant to make you become what you were not supposed to be. It is supposed to add and amplify what you were born to be. And when we understand this, it will eradicate competition and strife in the church. Stop trying to be who you are not. Stop trying to be. So listen, he says, if anyone is an oracle, let him prophesy according to the measure of grace. Meaning, there is a measure of grace given to you. So, first and foremost, you need to find out what that is. But you see, this is the balance I'm talking about. The scope of faith has been misunderstood. If God says yes, if my faith says yes, God cannot say no. And so you you are no longer thinking from a perspective of consecration that in the first place, what does God want me to be? What does God want me to be? Who does God want me to be? You just want to be, okay, you just look at someone on the internet. He's doing this, doing this, doing this. I want it. And you think that's faith. And you are wrong. And now you're wondering why it's hard if you want to be honest you discover that when you look at the church something is not adding up some people are having it remarkably easy and there are many other factors but you see all things being equal you know some people are having it remarkably easy and others are struggling and it seems like even our devotion is an attempt to, to convince a reluctant God. You, the truth is, you probably have thought about it before, but you, you shake it off your mind. I want to explain it to you because sometimes our premise is wrong. So I, I want to explain what Paul calls the election of grace. You, you must understand it. Oh my God. The God who said the older will serve the younger. He, he says, 
that God's purpose according to election might stand. Not of he that wills. So there is something called purpose according to election. There is hard work and there is election. I want to show you one of the biggest secrets in the word of God. If you learn what I'm about to share with you, I God, your life will become easy. I'm telling you the truth. You will understand what I meant when I wrote the song, Grace Changes Everything. It, it changes everything. It changes everything. Praise the Lord. So are you ready to move with me now? All right. Let's move on. So like in English and in every other language, words have different nuances. When you see the word faith, it doesn't always refer to the same thing. There is saving faith. Come on, are you with me? There is saving faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works less than a man should There's saving faith. But then, there is also faith. When the Bible says the faith, it's talking about doctrine. Are you aware? When the Bible tells you that people became obedient to the faith, it's talking about the doctrine. It's telling you they, they, they were added to the church. That's a different type of faith. Listen, there's so many examples of this in the scripture, but I'm sure you, some of you, you, you can already think of some of them. There's a third one. Charismatic faith. When God says, if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your half, heart, you shall have what you say. That's charismatic faith. Miraculous faith. They are similar, but they are not the same. Come on, are you with me? Are you aware that a lot of people had charismatic faith, but they didn't have saving faith? There are people who believe that Jesus can multiply five loaves to feed 5,000. But when he said, I am the bread, they were not interested in that. There is a bread that Jesus gives, and there is a bread that Jesus is. There were many people who believed in the miracle working ministry of Jesus, but we're not interested in him as a savior. Ironically, there are many people who have received him as savior, but have not really received him as a healer. So uh, perspectives, nuances, contexts. There is another type of faith. And this is the part that I want the church to learn. It is called prophetic faith. It is a type of faith. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Je Prophetic faith breaks all the laws. Everything you learned about faith, <laughs> this one is different. There is hardly any, any people group in the history of humanity that saw more miracles than the children of Israel. Isn't that true? In front of the Red Sea, were they singing worship? Have you read your Bible well? They were grumbling and murmuring. And in the middle of that grumbling and murmuring, Moses struck forth his hand and the Red Sea divided. There is more to faith. 
And now, if you don't learn what I'm teaching you, you'll become angry. Because it seems like this is happening in church. Some people are just grumbling and complaining, you know, and great things are happening to them. And it seems like some people are faithful and it looks like, what is going on? Prophetic faith breaks all the laws. It didn't stop them. In the wilderness, they started complaining. They said the locust and the honey that we were eating as slaves is better than this, what, what we are going through now. Did we not tell you to leave us alone? As they were complaining, miracles were happening. Water came out of a rock. <laughs> you know, the skies rained down bread. Well, listen, and even then, they didn't repent. They picked it and said, what is this? That's where the, the name of the bread, it was named after their complaint. <laughs> what is this? Well, do you know what it means? Do you know how reprobate you have to be for food to fall from the sky? And they complain, what is this? And after they had eaten for a while, they started complaining, they want meat. See, let me tell you something. If you want to understand prophetic faith, go and study the children of Israel. They said, you know, the Bible called them Stephen. You, you don't understand. You've never seen a people like that. Except the days of Noah. <laughs> there are levels to this thing. Come on, are you with me? It breaks all the rules. Let me give you another example. The Bible tells us that that angel um, came to Abraham's house. I'm cutting the story short. And told Abraham, according to the time of life, your wife will have a child. Sarah heard it inside and did what? According to the laws of faith that you learned, what should have happened? No more child. You doubted. You doubted. Now you've ruined the miracle. Now, oh my God, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? I mean, think about it. According to all the books you've read, that's the end of the miracle. You know, but the angel said, why did you laugh? Because you laughed, the child will be called laughter. <laughs> that's what God said. Because you laughed. Th- there are people that even their doubt becomes part of the testimony. What is what secludes others from the miracle becomes part of the testimony. What because you laughed now, the miracle will be an everlasting reminder that you doubted, but God was faithful. Because now the child will be called Isaac. Everywhere you will remember, I doubted, but God kept his word. I doubted every time you call him Isaac, you remember. You remember is not your faithfulness. Come on, are you getting what I'm, I'm saying? I'm talking to you on unmerited favor. It's a different expression of faith. Every time you call the child, you remember, this one is not me. I doubted. I don't deserve it. I should have been disqualified. But God, be, 
because of his faithfulness to the word, his word said the child will be called laughter. Please be seated. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I am saying there are some people whose devotions are constantly battling the reluctance of God. Then there are others God is persuading. Abraham said, I don't want. Let Ishmael live before you. God said, Stop it. Don't talk like that. Sorry, sir. Let me. I'm, I'm very sorry. God said, Look at the stars. When God is persuading you, God is, God is selling a dream to you, pitching a vision. Look at the stars. Count it. Don't, don't you want children like this? And. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted on him for righteousness. Thank you, sir. Now, do you know that also is a testimony of prophetic faith? Are you ready for what I'm about to say? When you read the book of Romans and the Bible says Abraham staggered not. <laughs> I mean, you not say, how, how, The same Bible, Abraham staggered not. God knows Siam. You don't understand what I'm saying. God, God said, Abraham never doubted me in his life. <laughs> he says, Abraham staggered. Which Abraham? Another one. Today, the same Abraham. Is this not Ishmael? God said, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. He said, He was strong in faith. I am telling you. There is more to faith. So, can we study it now? Alright, let's go. Let's start. Pick your pen. Let's go. Oh my God. Oh Jesus. This is so powerful. So, what is prophetic faith? Number one, that you must know about prophetic faith is that it is initiated by God. Listen, there are different dimensions to faith. It is one thing for you to learn from God's word that it is God's will for you to be healthy. It is God's will for you to be wealthy. And so now you have an ambition and then you apply faith principles to see that ambition fulfilled. But it's another thing for God to come on his own. An idea you never thought about. Where a virgin sees an angel and the angel says you will have it. She now says, sorry, how shall these things be? Now, this is prophetic faith. You don't have to do anything. The Holy Ghost will overshadow you. The power of the highest shall come upon you. Therefore, that holy thing, oh my God, has God produced anything in your life that you didn't have a contribution in? Has there any, has anything happened in your life? It was just like Mary saying, be it unto me according to your word. You Listen, there is a dimension of faith where you are not trying to get God to bless what you are doing. Instead, you are doing what God is blessing. Oh, Jesus. Listen, it takes a lot of honesty to vet your motives and to truly say, this one is not my idea. It's not as if I saw someone on Instagram preaching and I wanted to, because I liked the way they carried his Bible and honored his wife. I want to be a man of God. You know, oh my God. 
there are different types of callings. There's a type of calling you, you attract by desire. There's, if a man desires the post of a bishop, he desires a good thing. Nothing wrong in that. But then there is a type that Jeremiah had where Jeremiah is saying, ah, God, pick someone else and God says, stop that. When it is God who persuaded you, it is God's idea. You wanted to run away. You didn't want it. A type that is initiated by God, where God says, this is my plan for your life. You don't want it. It's not because it is popular. It is not because it's in your family. It's not because um, some top man of God or someone that is very wealthy and famous has this route or this line of thought. It is because this is my plan for your life. When God takes you out in the cool of the night, sells a vision to you. When by your own natural demeanor and disposition, you will never be in Cornelius's house. But you see a trance three times. And even if you doubted the trance three times, when you wake up, God still speaks to you again. And then God tells you, people from Cornelius's house are already at your door. So you are absolutely sure this is God's plan and you didn't make it up. It's not ambition. You were not looking for a big church when you went to Cornelius' house. You go to Cornelius' house and you say, I perceive God is no respecter of person. Like, my experience has taught me something. A type of faith that God initiates. Have you noticed many of the men of God in the Bible, God had to persuade them. God had... God had to persuade them. Now, pastoring, for instance, has become so glamorous. You are persuading people. You know, some, it's not time. They are picking lofty titles, just like, just like Pastor Shimon said. You know, lofty. Listen, if you know me very well, you will know that I'm not the type of person to like the title of apostle. I'm not. Because I like to be free. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I don't you get what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not that type of person. I cannot lie to you. No man takes this honor upon himself. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? When, when you have an extensive discourse with God like Jeremiah, and this is what God says. Jeremiah says, ah, but I'm, I'm a child. And God says, don't talk like that. Wait, has God ever told you, please welcome this man of God. Has God ever told you, never again say you are a child. Come on, are you with me? God told Jeremiah, never again say you are a child. A type of faith initiated by God himself. Come on, are you with me? So what is number one? I want to be sure you are taking notes. What is number one? All right. You see, let me teach you something. And please never forget this. God is God-centered. Please, repeat what I said once ago. Oh, listen. I'm sorry to say, but you see, when you observe the devotion, the Christian devotion of many people, it is hard to tell who the God is. Because it is like God is serving you, constantly meeting your needs. 
and at the slightest inconvenience, you threaten him. If you know you are God, do this. If you know you are God, do this. You're, you're constantly threat. But listen, and let me say this to you. Oh my God, are you with me? Uh, this is why you need to be careful because if you leave your Christian walk like that, you will still have some results. You will still have... So when you read the Bible, you discover that the people that God was feeding with five loaves and two fish, God knew that they were not looking for him. In fact, he said he knew all men and he did not need anyone to testify of men. He knew that they were looking, they were following him just for bread. He knew that. But he blessed them. He fed them. But there is just a level of divine approval and success you will never touch. Come on, are you with me? Even in, in countries where guns are allowed, there are some guns that are not for civilians. Do you understand what I just said? It means it, means it is only when your life is no longer subsistence, you live for a greater purpose, that greater resources will come your way. So, like I said, God is not... God is God-centered. He's, he's not, God doesn't exist to meet your needs. <laughs> oh my God, this is elementary consecration. You live for him, not the other way around. And so this is the first, you, so you need to deconstruct all your ambitions, reassess them again. God, in the first place, am I doing what you want me to do? Or did I go on Instagram or go on YouTube and just see some trendy stuff? You know, and there is a way you can program yourself and you, you will hear a voice. You will convince yourself that it is God that said it. And it's your desire. It's your ambition. You just want to be big. That's what it is about. You know, in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua saw his great soldier and drew out his sword. He says, Are you for us or against us? You know what the soldier said? Oh my God. You need to see it yourself. I'm not going to tell you. Open Joshua chapter 5, I think, verse 13. Can the media team show me what text? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. This is going to bless you. Oh my God. Yes, I'm correct. Joshua 5.13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversary? And what was the response? Verse 14. Everybody read together. You know what? Do you have NLT or a simpler translation? Just because when you, when you, when you read KJV, you're not going to get it. Do you have a simpler? Okay. Everybody, what was his response? Want to go? See, let me say something. Contrary to all the nice sermons you ever heard preached, God is not on your side. All right. The question in the Bible is, who is on the Lord's side? God has a plan. Tied with God. God doesn't side with you. I mean, look at this. Joshua said, whose side are you on? The angel said, I'm not on your side. 
I am on my own side. I am on God's side. You are the one who happens. But because your parts are aligned with God's God-centered plan, things you can do in your life. Throw away all your ideas. And this next question: How can I be a part of it? When God now summons you to the throne, what they want to do, and to get God to support them. Prophetic faith is different. In the throne room of God, you listen. You don't, you don't, you don't go there with ideas and ambitions. Are you listening to this? So when God says, Who shall I send? You now say ideas and ambitions. Are you listening to this? So when God says, Who shall I send? You now say, Here I am. Send me. Are you listening to this? So when God says, Who shall I send? You now say, Here I am. Send me. That's step one. When God says, Who shall I send? You now say, Here I am. Send me. That's step one. Send. You now say, Here I am. Send me. That's step one. When, and some of you need to send me. That's step one. When, and some of you need to learn this early. When, and some of you need to learn this early. Because maybe you are doing when, and some of you need to learn this early. Because maybe you are doing something God did not send you to do in the first place. Because maybe you are doing something God did not send you to do in the first place. There is no right way to do the wrong thing. Jesus. There is no right way to do the wrong thing. And faith is not opposed to force the hand of God to do what is inconsistent with his plan for your life. Listen, there is an element of truth in the saying that when faith says yes, God cannot say no, but you don't want to live like that. I, please, do you get what I'm saying? Please don't be offended by what I'm saying. You, you don't want to live like that. Every devotion is supposed to aid you in God's purpose for your life. So listen, even if it is true, that if you ask anything in his name he will do it what he said is ask for rain are you ready for this in the year of the latter rain meaning I have discovered that according to God's templates this is what he wants to do so I'm praying a prayer that is consistent with what God has already determined to do I'm asking for rain in the year of the latter rain Oh, Jesus. So that's number one. Number two on prophetic faith. It is unmerited. I've already talked about this a bit. It is not (laughs) about your faithfulness. As important as faithfulness is. It is not about your prayerfulness. As important as prayerfulness is. It is not about fasting, as important as fasting is. It is about siding with God. Siding with God. There are so many examples in the Bible, but I will give you two. There is a woman called Rahab. 
she was a prostitute. But when you read about heroes of faith, you see her name there with people who spoke and fire came from heaven. You see her name there with people who stretched their hand at an ocean and it divided. What is her name doing there? Very simple. First things first, she heard when God parted the Red Sea and she believed a God that can divide the Red Sea must be the God of the universe. She believed. And so when she saw Jewish spies in Jericho, <laughs> you know what? She just said, I'm siding with these people. I'm, I'm going to do my best to support them. I'm going to do my best to support them. Because she, they, she knew who was backing them. It's, it's, these fortified walls will come down. She knew it already. Now that's faith. Siding with God. You are a hero of faith when you side with God. No matter how small your contribution is, you side with God. You are a hero of faith. And so what she did was as important as any other general you read about. What, just that simple contribution. Simple. You, now, I mean, look at someone like Mary. What did she Now, she said, all generations shall call me blessed. Why? <laughs> I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but... Uh, <laughs> an angel appeared and says, you are blessed and highly favored. Do you know, there are a lot of women who will receive great reward if all you did was to make sure that that man of God that was going to be coming through your loins, you know, you create an environment where he can be nurtured properly. He will not be corrupted. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so he can grow up, discover his assignment, succeed at it. Listen, you will receive the reward of generals. A lot of people don't understand. You don't have to, you don't always have to start a church. I can promise you when I'm receiving my reward, my mom will be there. I know it like I know my fingers. You may never have heard her preach a sermon. But that woman, when she was carrying me, she met a prophet. The prophet told her, you are carrying a man of God. From that day, every morning, this boy, he will preach the gospel. She will, she, let, I am here. Apart from many other things because of that. Every day through that pregnancy, this boy will preach the gospel. He will change lives. He will, Johnson, he will go around the world. He will tell people about Jesus. She was doing that. So, you may never have watched us have preach. But I can promise you, just by creating an environment, making sure that I grew up with the right mentality to discover God's call and to fulfill it, uh, it will count. It will count. But like I said, it's this kind of faith is, is, is just simply about siding with God. <laughs> and when you side with God, uh, it becomes easy. Because in the first place, God already wants to do it. When I wrap up, I'm going to talk on what the Bible calls the zeal of the Lord. It's one of the most dangerous things you can, you can stand against. When God is doing something and someone sides, get off the way. Get off the way. Why did God bless Abraham? Can I put it in this way? For God-centered reasons. He wants to save the world. He ordained it from the foundation of the earth. So he chose Abraham. 
in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And now, oh my God, are you ready for this? Come on, are you ready for this? So now, Abraham has a wife. God has chosen that through this woman, Christ will be born. This is a special lineage. Now, he goes to Abimelech's country. He was wrong. Abimelech asks a simple question. Who is this woman? He says, it's my sister. He was wrong. Guess what? Abraham lied. There's no two ways about it. Abimelech was innocent. I wouldn't, he probably wouldn't have touched her if he knew he was someone's wife. So Abimelech took Sarah to his bedroom. Listen, can I tell you something? Abimelech became sick instantly. Are you aware? Praise God. Why is it that some people, their destinies are so protected? If, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like God, they receive supernatural backings. Other people are praying, fasting, and it looks like, I mean, there are some people, the moment you cross their path like this, problem. God appeared to Abimelech and said, you are dead. God said, you are already sick. I, I don't know if you know, that was the first healing in the Bible. He said, go and meet him. Tell him to pray for you. You are sick already. Yeah, and he, he told God, he said, but I didn't know. Were you not there? Did he not say that he's his sister? I am telling you why some people enjoy strange protection. Strange. Because you, the difference is, Moses is saving God's lineage. The people of Israel. But you, you, if you want to divide ocean, it's because you are late to work. So we have created a generation of selfish Christians. And you are wondering why the power is not working like gold. You don't understand that the same Jesus who can multiply five loaves and two fish will not turn stone to bread. When you begin to understand that even the power of God is not for personal gratification, even if I'm going to benefit of it, but listen, the power is so that I can be a witness of the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you, when you, don't, when you don't understand that, you'll be wondering why sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Come on, are you with me? Hey, God. And so please, what is number one? What is number two? Number three, it is selfless. Now, this is going to be a difficult one, but you love Jesus, so you're going to get it. Let me say this. We've been very selective in our Bible reading. And that is why most of the teachings of faith, respectfully, we just whisk half of Hebrews 11 and we preach it. I mean, think about it. You know, there are popular teachings, for instance, that tell you faith is now. Now faith is. Now faith is. And unintentionally, we have created a generation, a fast food generation, an impatient. So now, how can faith be now in that context? And the, and the example is Abraham. How can faith be now? And the example is, uh, listen, the reason this is important is because now we have Christians who, if they don't receive the miracle now, they now begin to question God. God, where are you? Maybe you are not faithful. Maybe the Bible doesn't work. These things need to be taught. 
girl called me. Said, please, I'm so pissed. I want you to help me ask God what I did. I said, what happened? She said, I, 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 I prepare for job interviews with all my friends. All my friends will get the jobs. I, 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 I will not get the job. You know, and this, 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 even recently, it happened again. Help me ask God. Do I not pray? Do I not fast? And God said, ask her when she graduated. So I said, uh, when did you graduate? She said, actually this year. She was still doing NYC. True life story. She was still doing NYC. And she said, I should help her ask God. Why she does not have a job. So meaning, even if she got a job, she cannot take it. Even if she got a job, she could not take it. But what happened to us? There are sermons that have made bad Christians out of us. And now we see someone who is waiting on God faithfully. And we're looking at the person as if there is something wrong. You think you you are praying more than the person. You are more faithful than the person. You have become like that guy who went into the synagogue in Luke 18. Beating his chest and saying, I thank you. I'm not like these sinners. I fast twice a week. I give tithe. You have become like that. You have become like that. You just don't realize it. So now, let us look at the Bible definition of faith. For time's sake, I cannot, and I cannot go through everything. So let's just go to the heat of the matter. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. By the way, are you aware the Bible says these all died in faith, not having received the promise? How is that for now? Now, 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 now. They all died, not having received the promise. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. When I'm done teaching, some of you, the miracles you've been asking for for seven years will come easy. Because when God reveals his plan for your life and your own part is to, like Mary say, be it unto me. According to your, it's one of the most powerful statements of faith. When you are sure it is God's own plan, all you have to do is plug in. Bam! Ha! You will see power like never before. Come on, are you with me? Hey. All right. Hebrews 11, are your Bibles open? Look at verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, you know Obama, and Samson and Jephthah, and also David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. This is the definition of faith that you like and you know. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, walked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lion, oh, you know, and then you see people preaching for you and then good sermons, by the way. It is not incorrect, it's just incomplete. Ah, you will stop the mouth of lion. You will walk through the fire, you know. All of that is true, and that's faith. Quench the violence of the fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weaknesses were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and then everybody, what did he say next? Are your Bibles open? What did he say next? Okay, you're struggling to keep up. Open your own Bibles. It's right here. Okay, look at it. Verse 35 again. 
He says, women receive their dead, raised to life again, and what? Listen, you don't understand faith if you think that only the people who received the dead back to life were walking in faith. Both the people who were tortured and died and the people who were raised from the dead were in faith. So what is faith? Faith is consecration to the will of God. Faith is not an ambition. Faith is selflessly following the plan of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, oh Jesus. The greatest example of faith is Jesus himself. Lived 33 years and died and he was not a failure. Are you getting this? So, you understand faith when you're like, you know what Paul said? He says that God will be glorified in my body whether it is by life or by death. In whatever way God chooses to make a name for himself with my life. He says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may what? Receive what? A better resurrection. All right. What did he say next? He says, still others had trials and mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. He says, they were stoned and sawn in two. You know, in this country just years ago, when people first started hearing that um, churches were burned down, they were asking, did the pastor not pray? That's when I knew that Bible study is low in the church. You go through a tough time and you think God has failed. Did the pastor not pray? So, you know that you are growing when you can see this as a testimony of faith. You know, some of you, it is only if you see calm. Say, ah, your God is working on. Ah, ah. Jesus did it. <laughs> All right? He says, but when you say, this is a testimony of faith. That people went through all this. Let me say something. You have misunderstood the story of Joseph. Because the most remarkable thing about the story of Joseph is even if he saw a dream of the whole world bowing to him, when he was in Potiphar's house, he never complained once. Jesus. Did you ever read that he complained? When he was sold to slavery, did he complain? When he was in Potiphar's house, did he complain? When he was in prison, do you know what it means for people to accuse you wrongly? God, what is going on? I have served faithfully. I did not complain. And things kept getting worse. What is going on? And in, in prison, you are still faithful. You know, you are still so responsible. They put you in charge of everything. Interpreting dreams, not knowing that that was the path to his greatness. That before you interpret dreams in the palace, you must have interpreted it in prison. Oh my God. Did you hear what I said? So that's the beautiful thing. It's, it's a good story because you can read in retrospect and say, ah, it ended well. It ended. <laughs> Joseph did not know. In those days, you are thrown in prison. That's likely the end. Come on, are you with me? And, and you were still faithful. You don't... Oh my God. This is what Paul was trying to explain to you. When he says, what can separate me from the love of God? Ah, 
He says, we are counted as sheep ready for slaughter. God sees my heart. I didn't enter ministry to be great. I did not. I did not. And by the grace of God, there are so many things I do well. I wasn't out of options. I wasn't out of options. I am here because I am sure this is the plan of God for my life. I'm not trying to be the best. I'm not trying to be number one. I have embraced God's selfless ambition for my life. Like the guys in Acts chapter 13, I have prayed and God said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas. Do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't just go. When you find yourself aligned to God's plan like that, uh, uh, uh. oh my God. You know, the Bible tells us in, in, in 2 Samuel 7, how that David, you know, just feeling successful, looked out and said, ah, I'm living in this palace and God's ark is out in the open. I, I, I want to build God a house. And God spoke. <laughs> God said, you, you won't build the house for me. Please, I beg you, go and read that story when you get to it. Time is fast spent and I, I just need to pray and wrap this up. God said, you want to build me a house? God said, I will build you a house. God said, you have forgotten so fast. You were watching over a few sheep when I took you and make you king over my people. Do you not know that I'm doing this because, uh, uh, because of my faithful word over Israel? This, this is what I'm saying. David happened to be privileged to be part of God's plan of salvation for Israel. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so because, because you are privileged then, now you are unstoppable, not because you are so gifted. This is the secret of life. Not because you're so gifted. And David realigned and said, you know what, God, I know it is because of your promise to Israel. Therefore, do as you have said. That's the most powerful way to pray. Not God, this is what I want. God, what you told me, I was on my own. And you said, this is your plan for my life. Do as you have said. When you pray like that, what the Bible calls the zeal of the Lord will carry you. You will be sleeping, God will be fighting for you. You'll be minding your business, God will be fighting for you. Listen, a man in the will of God can never lose. I'm telling you the truth. A man in the will of God can never lose. Trust him. Trust his timing. Trust his wisdom. Ah, my God. And when that grace carries you, you become unstoppable. Just to be sure you're following are you taking notes at all? Oh, Jesus. Sometimes, you know, when I'm sharing this, I'm just praying, God, I hope they get it. This is the biggest secret of my life. I'm not stressing at all. I work hard, but I'm not stressed. Because the way I put it, God is making a name for himself with my life. I am, I am doing his work. I am sure it's his work. And the proof is this. If there's anything, God says, stop. Yeah. I stop. God says, move to a new city. And up until last month, 
for the past 18 months, I was not in our headquarters. I left the 2,000 member church in Ikeja. I was pastoring one of our newest branches, 500 people. I, do you understand what I'm saying? Because I am not under any pressure to be, to, to, to look glamorous. A lot of people don't know that. You can't know that about me from Instagram. You cannot. <laughs> oh my God. But I tell you a secret. I'm going to wrap up with a story. The Bible tells us about a man named Zachariah. Jesus. Come on, are you waiting? Are you ready for this? Turn the Bible's Luke chapter 1. I want to show you a story that blessed my life in no small way. The Bible tells us from verse 5 of a priest named Zachariah. Listen, so I mean, this is as spiritual as you can get in those days. You are the high priest. You, you won't pray past high priests. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to follow the line of thought. He, he's a priest named Zachariah of the division of Abijah. Listen, so this guy has genealogy. He's a Levite. He's from a generation of men of God. And not just him, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Aaron was his wife's greatest grandfather. Aaron, the Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Next verse. Next verse, quickly, please. And they were both righteous before God. So listen, there was no blemish on their path. It wasn't as if they, they, they had any secret sin or any such thing. They were righteous before God, walking in all his commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Verse 7, quickly. Verse 7. Everybody read the next sentence together. One, two, go. Now, what contradiction is this? Oh my God. If you learn what I'm about to teach you, it will bless your life forever. Like I said, it wasn't that they were not praying enough. It wasn't that they had secret sin. Because you know, in the church, the moment you see someone with this kind of inconsistency, you say, there must be something wrong. You are not applying your faith. You know, some people who have never had to go through something tough, now them they quick give advice. <laughs> oh God, that uh, you, you need to apply more. Have you come out of something tough before? People are quick to give advice. The Bible says he was the high priest. Meaning he served right in the presence of the ark. That was the epitome of the presence of God at that time. You do understand what? He was serving right in the presence of God. In the most holy place. There was no other way to be closer to God at that time than Zacharias. You know, and not, not just that. He would live a righteous life. He and his wife. No blemish. They obeyed all the covenants. They were from great families. Great lineages. And the Bible says they had no child. And, but because some people are so impatient, they can't deal with stuff like this. Oh my God, you see? <laughs> are, you, are you negotiating next year? Okay, no problem. <laughs> All right. 
I don't have friends. <laughs> I just play with you. No, I'm not. But anyway. <laughs> Listen, anyway, I'm wrapping up. Follow this. this is the most important thing I've said to you. Are you aware there is no body in the Bible? Who was barren? Who did not give birth to a great person? Maybe God saves the best for the last. Maybe you should stop interpreting things from your culture and stay with God. Don't allow the people around you to pressure you. Now you can't wait with God. You go to Baba. Baba now puts stone in your stomach. Now you are wondering why the child does not hear what. How will he hear what? How will he hear what? Papa, give a beginning. You want him to hear what? <laughs> Why was Elizabeth barren? Are you ready to know the answer? It is because he had been ordained that the child will be the forerunner of the Messiah. And therefore, until it is time for the Messiah to come, the womb will have to wait. So it is, oh my God. There was nothing wrong with Elizabeth. There was nothing wrong with Zachariah. That God's purpose according to election might stand. Now, the child is born. And everybody is wondering what kind of child is this? He's filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. And you know, he's not given to wine or striker or any such thing. And everybody is envious of the child. But when the parents were waiting, could you endure that? Could you end? So, what if you learned to trust God? Trust His timing. I'm not under any pressure. I don't care what people think. I know whom I believed. I have given Him my life. I trust Him with my life. I trust His timing. Oh my God, are you listening to this? Until it is time for Jesus to come, Elizabeth will have to wait. Because the destinies are tied. Now, it is easy for you to read this in retrospect and understand. But what about in your own life? There are some things that you only understand in heaven. There are some things that you only understand at the end. How about you just trust God? How about you stop being so narrow in your thinking? Oh my God. Please, two brothers, come here. Come here. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Come, come this way. Come this way. I'm wrapping up this before Pastor Sean gives me another note. Come on. <laughs> Listen. Are you ready for this? Joseph's brothers almost killed Joseph because they were envious. They thought God loved Joseph more. Why would he have a dream and see us bowing? But I want to ask you a question. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be Joseph or his brothers? Because you see, Joseph at the age of 16, he sold to slavery. He's sold to slavery. Not only is he sold to slavery, stripped of all his clothes. Do you know what it means to be auctioned naked on a platform? Who is going? 5K, 5K. Thank you, thank you. Who's going? You are going through all of that. Then you are a houseboy. You don't grumble. You don't complain. You serve faithfully. As if that is not enough. They now accuse you wrongly. Let me tell you something. I think the worst thing that happened to Joseph is the wrong accusation. 
especially for something you did not do. You know, sir, I have served you um, served you faithfully. He didn't believe. They threw him into prison. You are there almost hopeless. At the end of the day, he becomes prime minister. I know that's the part of the story you like. But when he becomes prime minister, the brothers of Joseph, food finishes at home. They go to the only country where there is food and their brother is prime minister and their brother forgives them. So they didn't suffer one day. Let me now ask you, who did God love more? <laughs> what if the people that God is blessing, he's blessing to preserve you. Listen, they may be great, but God is using them as your servants to preserve your destiny. You know, some people are always so short-sighted. If it is not passing through them, there's a problem. God is not cheating on you by blessing your neighbor. He's not. And sometimes he's doing it for you. Sometimes he's doing it for you. Let me ask you now. Of all the brothers of Jacob, which lineage did Christ come from? You would have thought it's Joseph. But he came through Judah. It tells you Joseph was not the most important in that family. He was not. He was not. God raised him as a servant to preserve his lineage. Ah, what if you knew? What if you knew that the people God is blessing around you? You know, because there is a witchcraft in this generation. If there is a great person, very wealthy, you will do anything. Sit for hours to meet the person. You consider it a privilege, but if God blesses your brother, you will fight him. Is he not witchcraft? Are you determined to be poor? <laughs> the rich people you don't know. You are determined to have a relationship with them. Then God now blesses someone in your own family. You are jealous. Did you not see that God is changing your whole life? The last principle of prophetic faith is that they trust Jaira. Jaira. The revelation of Jaira, God bless you, thank you very much, is that I trust God who knows my tomorrow, goes into my tomorrow ahead of me to solve problems I never knew I will have. That when I get into tomorrow, before the problem arises, the solution is already available. So listen, when I just go with the divine flow, as you see me like this, you don't have to be like me. I have no ambition for my life. No ambition. Where do I want to be in the next five years? Wherever God wants me to be. What about ten years? Wherever God wants. Just, just, just move me. Move me. Move wherever you want. If you tell me this is your plan for my life in five years, then I will make a plan. I am not telling you not to be strategic. I am telling you to get approval for anything. You, your life is not your own. And when you find that divine wave, then you become unstoppable. People will now be wondering why your life is easy. They don't know. You see, when a man is surfing the waves, it is the wave that is doing the job. You are just gliding. This is the biggest secret of faith. So there are some people who know how to move mountains. I congratulate you. I mean, it's not easy. But there are some other people. Their testimony is this. 
The Jordan saw them and fled. The mountain saw them and moved like rams. And so the, the, the prophet had to interview the mountain. What ailed the mountain that you are jumping like this? Oh, Jordan, that you are turned back. And he says, tremble, O earth. At the presence of God, there is a force your life will attract. When you start moving with God, your life becomes easy. Ay, my God. That's when you understand that just the same way there are automated buildings, as you are walking, the door will open. It is a phenomenon in God. Your life can be like that. Where the protection of your life becomes God's integrity to protect. Don't worry, Paul. This boat will not capsize. That city you are going to have many people in this city. Many people who must hear the gospel on your mind. You will not die. You cannot. And others are playing divine protection. You know, they threw Jonah a fish carried. The first submarine. A fish carried. So there are some people, they make one mistake, their life ends. But Jonah, he made the mistake. Some people thought the fish was judgment. It was not. It was restoration. The fish carried him to Nineveh. You go preach. That, that message, you will preach it. <laughs> carried him there and spat him out. Oh yeah, start preaching. Are you ready for this? Then God said, no other sign will be given to this generation but the sign of Jonah. Now, it means that Jonah's disobedience became one of the most powerful testimonies of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, so it's an example of prophetic faith that even your errors become parts. That's prophetic faith. Can you trust God with your life? We sing one song. Looks like this guy's already getting it. I want you to sing it from your heart. Some of you need to repent. You are in the prison and you are crying. When you now see that ah, it was part of the plan, you will now be ashamed. Please stand to your feet and let's pray. Are you ready? Say, Jaira, you are enough. Say, Jaira, you are enough. Say, I will be content. I will be content in every circumstance. You Sing it again. You are a Like four prayers, I dropped the mic. Come on, are you ready? One of the best things that can happen to you is correction. 
If you were going on the wrong journey and God says you are wrong, that's mercy. Please. <laughs> I'm a man of God, so only pray this if you are serious. God, anything I am doing, I'm not supposed to be doing. Even if it is successful, correct me. Pray. Pray. Oh my God. God sent me here to save some lives. It's a terrible thing to succeed in things you shouldn't even be doing in the first place. Even if it is successful, you said as you speak to the rock, I struck it and water still came out. Success is not always the validation of God. God, whatever it is I am doing, inconsistent with your will, expose it, correct me. Correct me. Help me to turn around. Help me. Help me. You said to go to Nineveh. What am I doing on the way to Tashish? Correct me. By your mercy, correct me. Correct me. For Jonah, it was a big fish. Whatever you can do to realign me with your purpose. Asopra sopra te kapala Rose pele mando kapila takinaya I receive the grace I receive the grace To receive correction To retrace and redirect my steps In Jesus mighty name we pray Lord in the name of Jesus I might have been following my ambitions Now I am ready to follow you that plan that you marked for me from my mother's womb reveal it to me in the name of Jesus in your timetable for my life what should I be doing right now right now, right now I embrace it I, 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 I embrace it in the name of Jesus the same way your word said separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereon we have I have called them Reveal your plan any way you choose by the dream of the night, by prophetic word, by multitudes of confirmation. Reveal your plan to me. I want to walk in step with your plan. I am tired of following my own plan, following my own way, following ambitious plans. Your word says there is a way that seems right unto a man, the end of the ways of death. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. This next one, pray it with determination. In any way that disobedience has strayed me from the plan of God, the things that I've missed in my life, Oh my God, the Bible says, I will restore the years that the cankerworm has stolen. Oh God, when, I when you reveal your plan to me, I might discover I have missed a lot. I receive grace to pursue, to overtake, and to recover by your mercy in the name of Jesus. Let there be divine compensation. 
Let there be divine compensation. In the mighty name of Jesus. Take me to where I ought to be. To be doing what I ought to be doing. With whom they ought to be done. In Jesus mighty name we have prayed. I want you to pray this prayer from your heart. I want you to pray it because I'm telling you God is going to hear you. You're going to say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Not according to my ambitions and my plans, but according what is it you want to do with my life. Make a name for yourself with my life. I, I am ready. Be it unto me according to your word. I, I give you a few minutes. Make this count. This can be an encounter that will change the course of your life forever. I want you to make it count and say, be it unto me. Be it unto me. Be it unto me. Be it unto me. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Hombre, su tequeba, valet hombre satene, los capales hombre de capila, lechete capale, runde capila tapila hombre, lot asote asote. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Now, I, I want to pray. I will pray and drop the mic. You see, one of the ways God proves his sermon is by him. And from him is by backing it up with signs following. Signs following. So before, if Hannah just wanted to have a child, just because. There might have been delay, but when she then says, maybe she hears a sermon like this, she changes her strategy and says, God, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. I'm not going to be the type of parent the boy will say, God has called me. And you fight, you help the devil. You help the devil frustrate a man of God. That's just an example. Whatever it is in your life, for everyone who is consecrated, I am telling you, the power of God is about to touch the works of your hands now. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. So are you ready? So you see, there are people whose businesses 
<laughs> Our kingdom agendas, they are different. There is everyone else and then there is Abraham. And for everyone who has what I call selfless ambition, God sells his dream for your life. And then you look, you believe. And it's counted unto you for righteousness. <laughs> Not every faith is righteousness. The faith that is called righteousness is the one that is consistent with God's own plan. God showed you, you believed it. For everyone who has a divine plan, they are consecrated to. You know, John the Baptist, God told John the Baptist, the person on whom you see the spirit descend, that is the Messiah. The grace factor, the grace equation. God is about to inject that down. Are you ready for that? Oh my God, if you're ready, say yes. All right, now in the name above every name, from the front to the back of this auditorium, I pray for everyone. Atov, Felit, Tupat, Fekat, Kupil, Tufrat, Tutret, Tufit, Tetet, Tupat, Kitu, Ungristatiki, Tilifit, Atale, Ambum, Bilat, Unvrustiki, Gushitalendum, Brasteya, Aratapaya. For everyone ready to follow the bidding of the Lord. The hand of the Lord rests on you like never before right now. Jesus, I'm seeing a grace come upon someone to outrun chariots. It's a grace for supernatural speed. You have been slow and things may have been dragging, but the grace equation is making the difference now. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And from today, you move with a force that cannot be stopped. At home, Bruce, the Every false, foul spirit that has taken advantage, you know, of your disobedience in the past or of your not being in the will of God, you know, to, to cause confusion in your life. You know, I, I'm seeing someone who has been constantly attacked in dreams, constantly attacked. Almost every night, attacked in dreams, I confront those devils right now. I command them to be expelled in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. The hand of God rests on you strong. In the mighty name of Jesus, I confront anyone who is called sick. I confront that sickness in the name of Jesus. At home, Bruce, I, I see a lady here not too long ago the doctor discovered something about your reproductory system something 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 for that person and anyone under the sound of my voice the power of God comes on you strong be healed in your body let creative miracles happen right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I want to pray for everyone who has a call. Hey, you might have been afraid before or you have been doing it in your small way. But God has orchestrated this meeting. It's a grace conference. And this is Grace Made Christian Center. Jesus. 
Jesus. The Lord told me, he said, everyone who looks on you and believes what I am doing in your life, he said, that grace will be replicated in theirs. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, from the front to the back, receive unusual grace. I am telling you, this grace, hours from now, it will begin to show. From the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, receive it right now. Let dormant gifts come alive. Atombru sofret sundere grastige. There is someone here when you were younger. It was clear that the hand of God is upon your life, but as you grew older, you strayed away from that path and you found yourself wondering, will God ever use me again? That person, I see the Lord drop your mantle on your shoulder right now. Man of God, begin to see again. Man of God, begin to run again. Walk miracles again. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord is telling me for this ministry. New partners are emerging. And the burdens of this ministry will be carried. And they will be carried with ease. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you father. Oh my God. Listen. Oh my God. After Mary said to the angel, be it unto me according to your word. It looked normal. It looked normal. Until months after, evidence began to show. Evidence began to show. Evidence, it got to a point she couldn't hide it. I prophesy. Months from now, it will be evident that you met God in this meeting. Jesus, thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Listen, there is someone to my right. I am, I am mark these words, mark these words. I'm saying an international collaboration that will turn things around. You know, an international, and just so that you know that is you, you have desired it. It's 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 like a seed fund or something like that. And the Lord is asking me to tell you that it's done. Come back with your testimony. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, you've been afraid. Come on, have you been blessed? Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand of praise, everybody. Can we celebrate Apostle Emmanuel here in this, this afternoon? Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a session. Amen. When we're preparing for this meeting, the Lord told us to look out for this session in particular. And we know that God has done great things already in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Let's celebrate Apostle Emmanuel here as he takes his leave. Amen.
Also, yeah, meet David is here already. He's been around for a few minutes now, about 30 minutes plus. Amen at the lounge. So we're going to go into the second session any moment from now. Praise God. But before we do that, is it, is it a good place to sow into this atmosphere? Is it a good place? Praise God. Let's welcome my dear friend, Pastor Victor Adigwe, to take the offering right now. And after that, we'll have Minister Jimmy, Olu Jimmy Adeboye, come up for a special ministration. And after that, we'll have Pastor Yemi Davids. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may please have your seat. Glory be to God. I think the ushers will go around and minister to us with the envelope. Can we put up 2 Corinthians chapter 9 on the screen? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Scripture says, But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he proposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen to the next verse. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Uh, This scripture, we like to use it a lot, but this scripture was intertwined with giving, with giving your material gifts. You know, and, and I want us to sow, but there's one scripture I want to pick out. Or there's one verse I want to pick out. So that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now look at verse 10. Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Brethren, and on many occasions when there's a major need in church, we try to sell things in our house on a few occasions. We end up not selling those things. And the um, money that we need comes because God has seen the heart that we have a giving heart. That's why I want to sell that thing. And that's that verse 10. He gives seed to the sower. So whatever you are giving is God that gave it to you. And I've learned this a lot of time. If you don't have something to give, you want to sow a millionaire, you want to give 10,000, 20,000, you don't have that heart of giving. That's what God blesses. So you desire it and God will put the seed in your hand. Amen. So with that understanding, I want us to package our offering. The account should be on the screen now. I want us to make our transfer. Can we rise to our feet with our offering? And you know God loves a cheerful giver. You can put on a smile as we give to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the great provisions that you've made for us. I thank you for this powerful conference that you've brought us for all grace to be made to abound to us. We declare by your spirit that you give us seeds to sow and you give us bread to eat. In the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that came into this meeting that in our, in, in our finance, it shall be a new level of grace. Can you say loud amen? amen? It shall be a new level of grace. In the name of Jesus, so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. The ministers will wait on us as we receive the ministry of Minister Jim. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. We're glad you're part of our community now and trust you are blessed by today's message. Please subscribe to the Show or Shibetsu podcast. Like and share as well. You can also find Pastor Show on Instagram at Show or Shibetsu or at Grace Made NG.